Yirmiyahu chapter 31. So yesterday, in our discussion of chapter 30, about the prophecy of consolation and, and restoration, pointed out that in chapter 30, suddenly Jacob appears as a central figure. And this continues in our chapter in 31, and not just that, but it's not just Jacob who represents the possibility of return, but it's Jacob's counterpart, Rachel, his beloved Rachel, who in the book of Yirmiyahu is the one who cries for her children, who doesn't forget her children, and is responsible in Yirmiyahu for God hearing her cries and God promising to bring back her children, who are also God's children. That's actually the first half of chapter 31, and we discussed that yesterday. There's always more to say, but that was discussed yesterday. So today I want to take a look at chapter 31 from the second part of the chapter. The first part is very well known because the Rachel crying for her children is the Haftorah of Rosh Hashanah, second day Rosh Hashanah. Aben Yaki Ephraim, isn't Ephraim my beloved child? Yehud Shashuim, child that is dandled. God remembers the young child. That's the first half of 31. But the second half of 31 is quite interesting. And I'm going to simply describe what's there. What one makes of it is a very good question. And I notice in the second half of chapter 31, in this prophecy of consolation, three themes that seem to come together. And what the relationship is between them is a very good question, which I'm not going to answer now or even suggest an answer. But let me point out what the themes are. Beginning, for example, in verse, let's say, 27, days are coming, and God says, I will sow the house of Israel and Judah, Zerah Adam v'Zerah Behemah. I will sow the house of Israel and Judah with seeds of people and cattle. The same way I watched over them to tear down and to destroy, so too will I watch over them with notvulintoa. In verse 28, I will build. We've seen these terms earlier in the book of Yirmiyah. The next verse is, two verses are very interesting. In those days, they won't say that the parents eat sour grapes, but the teeth of the young are set on edge. But rather, a person will die for his own sins. Whoever eats sour grapes, his teeth shall be blunted, set on edge. So there's a end-of-days prophecy that in those days the children will not suffer for the sins of the parents. Now we know in the Torah, the Torah did mention more than once that the children are held responsible for the sins of the parents. The rabbinic tradition wrestles with this. That is certainly true. But we do have it in the Torah. We know that in the next book of the Bible, Yechezkel, he deals at some length with the thought that everybody should suffer for their own sins and nobody 
should be held responsible for the sins of somebody else, including parents and children. That's one of the more interesting features of the book of Yechezka, which has many interesting features. When you hear this prophecy, we typically identify it with Yechezka. But in point of fact, we have an identical prophecy in the book of Yirmiyahu in chapter 31, and here it's represented as something that will happen in those days, at that time, at the time of restoration. At the time of restoration, everybody will be held accountable for only their sins. That's the first theme that's interesting. Now we come to chapter 31, verse 31. Once again, days are coming. Days are coming, says God. I will establish with the house of Israel and Judah a new covenant, a Brit Chadasha. Not like the one I made with them when I took them out from Egypt, when I held their hand and took them out of Egypt. And that's the covenant that they have violated. And I had espoused them, says God. But nonetheless, they violated the covenant that I made when I took them out of Egypt. But this new covenant, in the future, when that time comes, I will place my Torah in them. I will write it on their hearts. It will be inscribed on their person, as it were. And it won't be necessary at that time for one to say to the other, you should know God. I will forgive their iniquities and remember their sins no more. So this is extraordinarily interesting about this new covenant. And it sounds like there is a Torah, actually. Not that there's no Torah. It sounds like there is a Torah. But the Torah is not written apart from the person. The Torah is inscribed in the person. And that will happen in, in the future, at the time of restoration. So there are two things that will happen in the future, at the time of restoration. One is that everybody is responsible for themselves, and no one suffers for the other. And then that the Torah is written on the hearts of everyone. It sounds like a personalized Torah. No one will teach the next one. No one will have to tell the other, no God. The knowledge of God will come from within the person himself, within the person herself. That's the second interesting theme about this new covenant. Not like the one I made with them when I took them out of Egypt and held their hand. It sounds like more of an adult. There's more, there's more personal responsibility. It's their Torah. And that's the second theme that we encounter at the end of chapter 31. And then, the very end of chapter 31 is striking. Here we have a reiteration of the fact that there will be a, a new world, that the God who created heaven and earth is the same God who cares for this people. 
who will replant Israel in the land. And the very end of chapter 31 says the following, Once again, days are coming. A time is coming, says God, Numa Hashem. The city shall be rebuilt from God, from the tower of Hananel to the corner gates. And the measuring line shall go out from there, to the Garib hill and turn towards Goa. At Pinat Shara Susim Mizracha, Kodesh Rashem, Loyin Atesh, Loy Herez, Old Leolam. And all the fields, as far as the Wadi Kidron, the corner of the horse gate on the east, shall be holy to the Lord. They shall never again be uprooted or overthrown. Even the valley of the corpses and the ashes, all of these places, shall be holy to God, never to be uprooted or overthrown. So, what strikes me interesting over here, without comment, is the following. There are three themes that come up at the end of chapter 31, the great chapter of restoration and consolation. One is that everybody is responsible for their own sin. Nobody is responsible for the sin of somebody else. Secondly, there'll be a new covenant, a different kind of a covenant inscribed on the person. And number three, that this holy place will be restored. And it sounds like not just restored, but enlarged. And all these places, the valley of the corpses, the ashes, and the, the dimensions are given, not dimensions, but the space is given, sounds like a big holy space. And what strikes me as very interesting, and maybe we'll encounter this in our study and deal with this in our study of Yechezkel, that these three themes are very parallel to what we encounter in the next book of the Bible, which is Ezekiel, Yechezkel. He's the one who talked about personal responsibility, not being held responsible for somebody else. He's the one who talks about a new creation, that God will create a new people, a holy people, God's creation. And that's not the same exactly as what we have in Yermiel, but it is similar. And finally, the book of Yechezkel ends with eight chapters which describe this new temple, the temple at the center from which the waters flow out. So it is striking to notice that the prophecy of Yirmiyahu in chapter 31 has an uncanny parallel in the book of Yechezkel. We have to think about this further and hopefully have an opportunity to say something cogent about a very striking parallel.